स्मार्ट यू आर लिसनिंग टू अमिंट प्रोडक्शन यू बाय एच टी स्मार्ट कास्ट सो दिस इलेक्शन एज राजीव मेन्शन नो इट हेज बीन एन ओवर डिस्कस टॉपिक इन दी मार्केट प्लेस एंड दी मार्केट पार्टिसिपेंट है I mean, everybody in London didn't know Brexit. They had no clue, and uh, they all got it wrong. As I mentioned on Trump, and not only that, Trump is not coming. Also, what would be the response of the market? I, in my investing career, I never thought I'll see upper circuit. I on the on the index, and that also I saw in 2009 and on an election day. So you're right that elections will have an impact on the market, but that would be momentary. And then uh, life goes on. uh there are some prices that will present itself But the more pertinent question is will will actually any government have an impact on the economy i think all governments have a negative impact on the economies okay, in more or less so if if the governments don't interfere the economy i think that's a best thing for market and all all governments before coming to power claim that but they don't practice that so net net uh, you know 2004 lower circuit the sport money you got the best returns ahead 2009 upper circuit you got no returns ahead so it, it's at the end of it it is uh, you know what is the price value that is on offer the reasons can be many you know it could be i mean us election it could be bihar election it could be assam election it could be no election in china i mean how does it matter finally it is going to be if there are some profits coming across that matters on on a day or two there would be and there would be six months of chatter around an upcoming election in a day it will be forgotten markets will also react but we'll see there is no there is no great merit in trying to strategize for an outcome which you have no hang on and it has been demonstrated time and again that the financial markets have no ability to get any sense of electoral outcomes anywhere i mean uh, every time it gets so even in the last election you know that uh, i remember 2014 that there will be a uh, there won't be a majority for nda uh, nda came with thumping majority the next election uh, 2016 uh, sorry uh, the recent one 2019 and all i mean everything we just keep seeing that you know uh, i mean let me put it this way bombay guys have no clue who's coming to power in delhi i think even guys in london don't know who's coming to power in the westminster so let's just ditch it and move on <laughs> Minal, this is Dil ki baat. <laughs> sure, uh, Minal, how uh, sorry, Dinesh, how you are looking at the event? Any, this is the event which comes and goes. Let it come and go. <laughs> okay, okay, great. Ashish, anything uh, you want to add? <laughs> I, I don't think I can add much. It's it's bound to be a new year reaction. So okay. we know, uh, as we understand, that Trump is a capitalist. we also understand that joe biden is looking at taxing the rich etc uh, there might be certain interpretations because of which the market may react but as what everybody said it's just a matter of time and probably a couple of weeks and a couple of months it will be forgotten in the market so don't see a major reaction there and uh, let me also say this that the, the hedge fund managers will still have cheap funds to invest in uh, i don't think they have very many places where they can get positive returns uh, so we are yet to see how that they will react towards investing uh, to continue to invest in emerging markets uh, so yeah so election i don't think is going to be a major event for sure sure uh, neil uh, would you like to take up the next question sure 
Um, so the next question goes to the very heart of investing. And uh, Mrinal, I'll start with you as the manager of ICICI Potential Value Discovery, which is growth versus value. So over the past uh, several years, you know, value internationally has uh, underperformed, has struggled. Um, but on the other hand, you know, we might just be at the point of a major reversal. So how do you see this playing out now? Um, and, you know, where, where do you stand on, on this? So uh, I will just correct it a bit. It's not growth versus value. It is growth and value. I keep telling this to people, they are not competing styles of investing. They are complementary styles of investing. Uh, and they have their own strength zones and weak zones. So globally, value has been struggling uh, in the recent past. Uh, but there have been pockets of uh, value funds have been done well. That includes uh, the ICIC value discovery also. And, and then there are uh, quite uh, out of the history of uh, market, we have seen it is quite well known in what zones of the market value will do bad or value will do good. And similarly, it applies to both. Actually, uh, it, it is an important aspect for an asset allocator to figure out uh, which is the zone where growth will do well and which is the zone where value will do well. Uh, and value... Uh, I, I, I never get into this debate of growth versus value or value versus growth. That is not uh, rightly put. The idea is, you know, both have both have merit to exist. Uh, and in fact, they are very vaguely used terms quite often. And the reality is, you know, both, if practiced well, uh, have, have long and large scope to do well to their investors and their customers. Uh, and both go through their weak and strong zones. So value might be going through a zone which is which is weak as of now, but then uh, there will also come a time where reverse will also happen. But then uh, at that point, people might say, okay, growth has no great uh, uh, outlook and all that, but that's not right. Uh, I would say that, you know, uh, in, uh, rightly practiced, uh, rightly informed and educated, it makes, uh, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, and if you look at data, uh, I mean, the long-term data of value is not ordinary, it is extraordinary. And uh, global investors, particularly of the nature of uh, fiduciary money managers of personal capacity, swear by value. They don't swear by growth. Uh, wherein uh, there, is no, uh, there is no animosity to growth per se. Uh, and growth is uh, predominantly uh, claimed and practiced by uh, managers in the, in the regulatory domain rather than personal domain. Uh, so, uh, uh, and value also involves a lot of patience uh, and that's not so widely available. Uh, but it also rewards uh, patient investor with uh, very handsome returns. So that's a combination easier said than done. I would say that uh, a right blend from an allocator's perspective like uh, Ashish would, would make a lot of sense for people. Ignoring one, uh, either of them, be it growth or be it value, will actually create a void in your uh, basket of allocation that you possess uh, for achieving your financial goal. That's how I would put it. Rinal, is there a certain kind of market in which value does well? So early stage recovery or late stage, where would you put that time at? So uh, typically what happens is uh, uh, people tend to associate value as, as you know, uh, illusionary low price to earning price to book. That's not only the case. Value is basically when the risk reward or margin of safety is very much in your favor. And that's not so widely available. The reason value has been struggling of late is because of uh, the central bank action of pumping the markets for last 10-12 years with excessive liquidity, which has created a kind of floor in the marketplace 
so we've had very few incidences uh, wherein uh, you would have had a great uh, margin of safety kind of or uh, good attractive risk reward available for value investors to press their pedal and you know uh, make a large allocation we do that too uh, for example in march it happened last it happened before that was in the commodity crash in 16 before that in taper and from uh, and i'm not even talking gfc even between gfc and now uh, so uh, early stage recovery yes uh, it it happens and there comes a phase where you know it's difficult to distinguish is this a growth stock or value stock typically we've seen uh, in at least uh, theoretical world the growth or, or the value stocks transition themselves into growth hands and subsequently move on from there and a uh, and a uh, great number one of a value investor is you know maybe i sold it to worldly but if you are if you are a value investor and you are saying yeah okay i sold it to worldly i think that's normal that happens to value investors but you buy into worldly also that that's a very important point uh, that value investor is bringing and the growth investors actually buying a bit late where there is demonstrated uh, acceleration available in the company and then they also believe that okay things will continue to go ahead and i have seen good quality growth investing does very well and obviously value good quality value investing also does very well value we should remember value is not very widely practiced in public domain it is largely practiced in private domain uh, because of the tenants uh, in terms of temperament that it demands uh, but then is it remunerative extraordinary uh, but that's not for everyone in terms of having the patience it's not a three year game it's not it it can happen in that zone it can happen in longer zone uh, but then is it uh, is it going to be around i think it is going to be around as, as long as the market is around chinesh in a sense you've been known as the polar opposite um, as a growth fund manager and uh, so could you <laughs> give us the other side of this So I think Mrenal is right. Uh, uh, absolutely correct that both styles exist in the market. In fact, there are many more styles which are coming out in the market. Leave aside growth value, you have passive strategies, you have algorithm-based strategies, momentum strategies. So I think uh, I think there is no point in debating so long uh, the the investor or the distributor is aware of what that fund is doing and whether they are sticking to that philosophy or no. So so. I, I would say that uh, depending on uh, your style, depending on a kind of philosophy you are uh, uh, having in in your portfolio or in your uh, as a overall house, I think uh, the most important part is you don't have to digress from that. Eventually, uh, I think both both will work. Maybe uh, growth might work for a certain period of time. Then there will be value. Then again, growth again value. i think it's a it's it's a chicken and egg situation every time but so long i think the investor and distributor is aware or what what an x fund stands for i think that there shouldn't be any any worry on uh, uh, how the returns will come either it might be a front end return or it might be a back end rajiv in your case so ppfs uh, the inception philosophy was value investing but uh, would you say that over the past several years you become more growth i mean i can't i don't perceive ppfs as as a strict value investing uh, fund anymore uh, so many decades ago and this is not something recent at least 20 to 30 years back uh, buffett in his letter has mentioned that uh, value and growth are joint at the hip rather than being con- uh, contradicting each other or something like that growth is a component of value and renal also referred to it that they are they complement each other rather than being in opposition to each other 
so the reason why people focus so much on price to earnings and price to book is the history of value investing where benjamin graham in the post depression era of the us focused uh, on uh, cash on balance sheet and net nets and price to book and dividend yield and things like that however his disciple warren buffett has moved on from that approach many many decades back so what we follow is a quality company at a reasonable price rather than a mediocre company at dirt cheap prices so we call it uh, having a five star meal at udp prices rather than having street side food uh, in terms of our approach to value investing and the problem with going with extremely cheap companies is something may be uh, available as a net net or may have huge cash on balance sheet but if the promoter is going to misallocate the capital and the cash is going to be burnt away then obviously it will not result in benefits to the investor so in the west where uh, a lot of activist investors are there and where they can force change in corporate strategy they can throw out the ceo or force force mergers or divestments those kind of actions don't happen in india in india whether it's a psu whether it's a mnc or a indian promoter company the promoters typically own more than 50% of the company and minority shareholders do not have much to say in what the company does also book value as a measure given uh, various reasons uh, inflation change in accounting practices because of various things book value has lost uh, a lot of its relevance in the current times because a company formed 60 years back versus a company formed yesterday you cannot really compare their book values and arrive at a price to book so uh, rather than getting into labels it has to be sensible investing and finally that's what uh, we attempt to do that's what mrinala attempts to do and that's what jinesh uh, does rather than go by labels per se absolutely ashish um, so when you look at uh, some of these funds which either have value in the label or they are known to follow a certain style whether it's growth or value uh, when you're allocating money how do you pick one or distribute between the two so uh, how we would look at it is one uh, what is the customer's risk appetite and how long is he okay to invest because as what vinal said i think patience is a virtue in value investing uh, and therefore you know when you when you're meeting a customer and uh, understanding what the customer's risk profile and how long the customer wants to stay invested Uh, you make a decision because it's not as everybody said it's not growth versus value it's complementary and in each customer's portfolio there's a space for both uh it's just the way the customer is oriented what you have to judge and then place how much do you want to face growth and how much uh, on the value side of the business okay we're running out of time so renu we'll skip the next question um and maybe we'll come back to it later if if we get time um because i want to address the other big long running debate in the mf space which is active versus passive and the reason why i'm bringing it up is because a lot of amcs are now launching etfs and launching passive funds and it's an implicit perhaps uh, signal to the market that you know passive's time has maybe come um so rajiv can i bring you in on this first yeah uh i think uh, there will be three product categories one will be pure passive where uh, the etfs or the index funds uh, just simply mirror the 
mainstream indices. Uh, the other approach could be more uh, formula-driven or algo-driven uh, factor investing funds, which are a blend of active investing and passive investing. And the third is the traditional uh, active investing uh, kind of approach. I think all three will coexist. Uh, what it will do is it will increase competition and each uh, category will try to do better than the other. So active people have to focus on cost and make sure that the costs are not unreasonably high. And at the same time, uh, there are processes in place to uh, not uh, drop the ball. Uh, factor investing will continuously keep trying to improve their algos and uh, the uh, uh, inputs that go into the formula. And passive, of course, uh, will uh, drive scale uh, and uh, bring more investors into the market via simple products. Sure, fair enough. Um, Janesh, let me bring this to you with uh, an added question and that's been doing the rounds uh, quite a bit of late, which is that the weightage of certain companies in the index has exceeded 10% and mutual funds are capped at 10%. Apparently, there is a representation to the regulator saying that device a new index and we will benchmark ourselves against a new index where the weights are capped at 10%. So if you could take both questions in one go. Uh, sure. Uh, so coming to your second question first, uh, this is just the recent event. So uh, either uh, SEBI will allow new index or SEBI will allow uh, funds to take uh, higher allocation to the weightages, some of the companies which are having more than 10% weightages. So either of it will happen. I don't know which way it will go, uh, depending on the on, on the calibrated risk measurement uh, what SEBI really uh, uh, thinks through, uh, whether allowing 13-14% weightages is okay or even 15% weightage is okay for a single stock depending on the risk return metrics, risk management system. Is it okay to do, not okay to do? Or you need to change the entire uh, entire uh, formula of how the how these weightages are aligned. So let's see how, how it goes. Uh, uh, we'll wait for SEBI to come out with something, right? So, and we'll have to adhere to that. Uh, so, either SEBI allows us to buy uh, sto uh, uh, stocks which are having a higher weightage, at least to that weightage, because obviously the underperformance, if that stock does well, uh, is not a comfortable situation, right, for the investor. Uh, so, let's see how it happens. Uh, coming to your uh, question on uh, active versus passive, uh, uh, I think both strategies or even as Rajiv said, one more strategy on algos, artificial intelligence based strategies, all will uh, uh, be around. The investor uh, community will differ from uh, strategies to strategies. Uh, the, and, and this is my view uh, that passives will be more ma uh, mass retail a kind of a product where you don't have to with investors. Uh, let's say it doesn't know much about the uh, markets and how the risk system management systems are and uh, he or she will invest 500 rupees per month or 1000 rupees per month it might get into that kind of a, a investor uh, trajectory whereas active uh, will be more uh, an educated investor who knows the fund managers style strategies and obviously the job of the fund manager what would be to outperform uh, the indices as best as possible. And and third, AI algo base would be more to a high risk taker uh, 
uh, who are let's say chennai community uh, who, un- who who wants that kicker in the in the in the returns in the near term and are ready to put that high risk money into uh, investment with a 6 month or 12 month kind of a view depending on the how the strategies are so i think the investor basis will change and different investor will look for comfort where he or she is comfortable in taking risk in the portfolio Dinesh but if i could get your view on whether there is a problem at all that the fact that there are companies with more than 10% but you are restricted from going to that weight is that a problem and secondly if it's a problem then what is the better solution should you have an index or should you op- op- increase the weights see in korea samsung has if i am correct around 15 16% weighted maybe more than that in korea so when if 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 one country can allow or one regulator is allowing that and i think if i if i am correct people take big positions in that samsung more than 10% some of the active fund managers so uh, so see these are all limits given by the regulator right and so they can always change those limits right you can always say uh, 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 the, the the company weightage plus minus 1 or 2% you can have or 10% plus 3% or 10% plus the index weight of the company i don't know how it will go but you see uh, neil we need to understand if these companies are going to become bigger and bigger day by day obviously their share of profit in the overall nifty profits will grow and hence the market cap will grow and if if let's say if they go to 20% of the indices then what you are going to do perpetually the fund managers will start underperforming the uh, uh, the the markets right so then then see, there has to be a level playing field so either you bring it down to 10 or by creating a new index or you allow fund managers to take the position depending on the risk appetite what they have minal can i take this to you um so in terms of passive versus active i am a believer that uh, there is space for both clearly any active which can justify its needs can can do well that's easier said than done we will have so there has to be a sensible structure of fees or charges uh, that will levy on the customer and as long as your strategy is able to do justice to that uh, over a period of time i think uh, active will flourish uh, but then uh, i think uh, passive has made massive inroads and that's because of uh, uh, exorbitant fees that we've seen that a lot of active managers and it's not only mutual funds it's you know a lot of hedges a lot of uh, other kind of uh, uh, money managers had levied and they couldn't justify that uh, at least they didn't have strategies to do justice to that kind of fees and which clearly it also makes sense on passive uh, for people who are allocating between equity and debt you know but, you know a lot of institutions also would love to do that because they are just uh, they run on models where equity and debt is something and they'll also have some on active but then largely aligned to the broader index because the broader index are supposed to mirror the economy in general that's the idea of that so they will coexist we will have phases where active will become big then uh, there will have phases where passive will become big and this will go on i think uh, uh, both of them will see a cycle uh, uh, the uh, the amc is offering a bouquet of uh, uh of uh, passive and active both is a manufacturer offering you everything that's nothing more it we should not read it as a preference uh for you know one over the other that's not the case uh, because uh, there is a set of segment or customer uh, which would want that and it makes sense for them 
they should go for it obviously active monies uh, have to be advised right kind of match has to be done with what the investor is looking for and what kind of risk it brings on board uh, so i would restrict at that uh, say that you know uh, if rightly advised i think there is space for both uh, active is is uh, still large in india uh, as long as active managers justify that is it will it will be there but passive has become very large uh, globally and i think it's very small in india but it will also become big in india there is no doubt about it uh but uh, uh, do i take the second question neil uh, about uh, uh, the so uh, you know uh, the, the matter is with uh, uh, is basically a judgment that uh, the regulator can decide you know that okay either we cap the stock to 10% or we let the money manager see there are merits and demerits to both uh, i would say if, if a business becomes quite large see because we need to keep in mind uh, it's a free float that's a large component of the weight itself you know so if if a business becomes very large in the index let's say 15 20 25% uh, and you, even if you allow any managers to get there uh, it it does uh, give a very high level of risk of single entity because if you're talking about 20% of the money could be into single sector now that's risky and it might look good when the going is good it could actually backfire even if you're underweight it is meaningful uh, so there are merits and demerits i think 10% is a very sensible thing uh i am a proponent of that uh, i would leave it to uh, the judgment between the consultative parties should the should it should they cap to 10% uh, single uh, stock rate or or they allow money managers to go all the way to match uh, see because i don't think the money managers will meaningfully benefit let's say a stock goes to 20% even if you are allowed to go to 20% you will at least match it you will not do better than that so it's not going to benefit in fact uh, you will at best match but expose yourself to such high level of risk to single entity uh, and, and no business comes uh, without any risk so i think that's more risky 10% is a well thought through uh, should be and should should the regulator decide either ways uh, we'll see how to adjust uh, accordingly uh, but i i, I am a proponent that uh, for at least uh, small savers risk mitigation should uh, should be higher in the consideration uh, that is an important aspect it's okay if you let go of some returns as long as uh, that's not function of excessive risk i would say okay so ashish would you like to sum it up what i say is that one on the regulation piece i feel uh, the index funds uh, you know concentrating on specific stocks etc uh this uh, the fact that there 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 is a sectoral limit or a specific stock limit i have feel was more towards a, a fund manager bias or a fund house bias towards a particular sector uh, when we are replicating the index it's a passive strategy so nobody is you know really there's no bias process right? so uh, but i'm sure the regulator is thinking through this and uh, probably will come out with the the right mindset from a customer orientation again uh, on the side where we are talking about active versus passive i think both the strategies will coexist uh, the clients who are not those kind of clients who look at uh, the markets very often probably can look at uh, index based strategies the passive kind where the you know the the charges are far lower and uh, there is no bias per se so you know you, you invest and you kind of submit uh, on the other side there are other customers who are active who understand to an extent what the market uh, offers uh, look at the scenario right now so 
how many stocks in the index uh, are really offering you returns this is the point of find probably active management really plays a very key role uh, and therefore as i said that both will coexist clients who are active and understand the market should look at an active strategy while the clients who are okay to just invest and leave it without any so called bias they can look at a passive strategy at lower charge great um so we're running out of time um and therefore let me get everyone's closing thoughts uh rinal if i can start with you uh, for an equity fund investor living in a very strange world where gdp is contracting for the full year expected to contract by 10% markets close to an all time high um earnings cloud of uncertainty any words uh, of guidance any words that he should keep in mind yeah i think uh, you have to uh, you have to consider all asset classes uh, diversification is a key equities have moved up uh, quite sharply in expectation of uh, things reviving it is not at all based on the current year uh, obviously it is looking ahead uh, it merits uh, that uh, you match your financial goals uh, with the kind of investing that you are doing and and look at the options around uh you have to be very clear equities is about long term uh, asset allocation so you have to if you are needing money in the next couple of years three years uh, maybe maybe uh, uh, fixed income is a better option or something of that sort but uh, as a small saver sips is the right thing i think it uh, inculcates the right kind of discipline if you have long term sips and the right kind of product i think you'll be fine you will be on track to achieve your financial goals Dinesh, uh, let me take this to you with some context. So you've seen phenomenal growth on the equity side on uh, your funds, and many of your investors will be quite recent entrants. So specifically at these new guys uh, who have spent you know a few years in the market, what would you say? So, so I would say uh, uh, please look at equity with a three to five year view business because business cycles. are uh, uh, when we invest in any businesses we look at 3 to 5 year view because cy- there are cycles in businesses uh, there are ups and downs in uh, revenues and profitability depending on the uh, sector how what trends are what's the momentum of the sector and how the growth rates are shaping up uh, so we we always advise to go staggered there is no hurry uh, do staggered investment maybe you can do lump sum staggered Uh, per month or something like that, or you can do systematic SI SIP uh, if you want. Uh, but uh, the well, please have a long term view. Don't look at near term market momentum market and try to invest with a view that I'll make money in one month, two month, or six month time. And uh, 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 I would say from here on, uh, clearly as corporate profits to GDP are at all time low. it's a great opportunity if you have 3 to 5 year horizon don't invest with a 6 month horizon saying that markets are on a roll let me just invest and uh, make money i think uh, the returns can be back ended as well from here on you don't know i don't know frankly uh, how how liquidity uh, uh, in the in the world uh, shapes up whether there is reversal of liquidity or there is more liquidity coming into the play i would suggest uh, they have a 3 to 5 year view uh, definitely any funds will make money for you rajiv uh, can i bring you in on this um 
particularly for somebody who is also curious about international markets, there's been a huge wave of enthusiasm for international investing this year. And PPFS encapsulates that, that people want to take both domestic and international exposure. So, you know, given what's happened with uh, real economy versus markets, uh, any words of uh, guidance for your investors? Sure. Uh, So, investors should realize that the Indian economy is between 4% to 8% of the global economy. Uh, One is on uh, the current exchange rates, other is on purchasing power parity. So whichever way you look at it, 90% of the global economy is outside of India. So people have to realize that you need some amount of global diversification. So diversifying across equity and debt and uh, real estate and gold is fine, but Within equity, some amount of global diversification definitely helps portfolios in terms of lowering the volatility as well as offering some additional opportunities. So uh, apart from what um, Rinal and uh, Jinesh said in terms of uh, systematic investment and asset allocation and diversification, global diversification is one other aspect to consider. But don't do it because of past returns. So past six months have been exceptionally good for U.S. markets, don't let that be your guiding point. Do it as a strategic diversification and not just because last six months have been good. Ashish, any last words on this? Yeah, so uh, you start by saying that, you know, uh, GDP at minus 24% almost and many other uh, parameters not looking so good. Off late, in the last month or so, you know, we've seen very good indicators around PMI looking at it if we're higher, 56.8. Uh, unemployment is actually lower than the pre-COVID level. Tractor and fertilizer sales are high. They are breaching the pre-COVID levels and higher. Uh, quarter on quarter, home sales are up by 134%. So there are green shoots. Having said that, uh, important for the customer to understand their uh, asset allocation and risk profile. And therefore, invest in a suitable manner. Whether it's debt or equity, uh, you have to understand uh, what amount of your money you're okay to put in uh, fixed income or in, uh, you know, go long on equity. Fixed income, we are very clear that currently we would like to be on the shorter end of the curve. And on the equity side, as everybody said, we need to look at a three to five year horizon to actually make money and not lose people. Super. So uh, thank you, everyone. We've had a fantastic panel. Um, Very, very forthright views were expressed and hopefully we've been able to shed some light on the very murky waters of 2020. Um, But hopefully the next year should bring us um, more hope and, you know, uh, another excellent year for equity markets. So uh, thank you, everyone. Uh, and thanks, Renu, for... Uh, thank, you. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Pleasure. This was a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.